You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland, and I am one of the elders of Believers Baptist Church, and joining me in the podcast is another one of our elders, Philip Castleton. We pray that this podcast will be a means of grace to you for your spiritual growth so thank you for listening in whoever you may be and wherever you may be philip we are into the second week of june now and we're trying to work our way through the beatitudes as recorded in matthew chapter 5 that part of jesus's sermon on the mount that's popularly known as the beatitudes And we've come to the second beatitude. It's verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So let's talk about um, what it is to mourn. What is Jesus saying here? But before we do that, let's, let's go back just for a moment and say once again, the word blessed, even though most Bible teachers and uh, commentators would say that blessed means happy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you and I ha- have come to um, an agreement in the, our study that blessed is the idea of uh, identity with God. It is um, being identified with Him. Yeah, it's certainly something that is is true of God, and because of our unity uh, uh, because of what we've been made new, it's something that's true of us as well. Right. And so it's also, if you want to say it this way, it is the result of the consequence. For example, last week when we did blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, The poor in spirit have the kingdom of God, it's because they are poor in spirit that they have the kingdom of God. So blessed is the consequence that they're, they're, they're experiencing uh, the full identity of who God is yeah. as being connected with him through faith in Christ. Yeah, so if you were going to define what it means to be blessed and the first beatitude, it would be that you have an inheritance, and that is the kingdom of God is yours. Right. In this this one, what does it mean to be blessed? Well, comfort. Comfort is yours. Right. Right, yeah. Right. So now, these two Beatitudes, these first two, tie together really well. We said in our last podcast that to be poor in spirit is to be spiritually bankrupt, to recognize that, to see yourself in um, God's eyes or see yourself as you truly are and see God for who he truly is. Mm-hmm. And you recognize the spiritual um, depravity, the the lack of spiritual um, commendation of self. And so then once you recognize that, um, then it's a work of regeneration done by the Holy Spirit. You come to saving faith. And once you recognize your sin, then this second beatitude ties in in that you mourn about your sin. Right. So I think to, to the word mourn in our culture typically means to have deep grief, to um, suffer some kind of loss. But in keeping with what Jesus is saying here, grief, uh, rather mourning, means something um, deeper than that. It, it, it's a it's a mourning over the sin that you recognize that is still um, part of your flesh, 
that you give into, that you um, uh, allow to um, uh, overcome even the Spirit of God in you sometimes yeah. um, as you try to live your uh, daily life in Christ. And uh, so the idea basically that, that I think we need to come to is that this is a mourning over our sin. So, um, there is worldly sorrow. Yeah, and there's and there's natural mourning. You lose a loved one, that kind of thing. Right. There's nothing inherently sinful there. Um, the natural mourning uh, where we're trying to avoid or we dislike, if you will, the consequences of our sin, um, that actually leads to death. There is sin inherent in that kind of mourning, right? Mm-hmm. That's certainly not what's being discussed here. The one who's blessed is not the one who's trying to avoid or hates the consequences of their sin. This, The, the one who's blessed here is the one who recognizes that there's still a remaining sin in them, and it's an affront to the holiness of God. It's cosmic treason, if you will, as R.C. Sproul would put it, right? right. And um, and they they so recognize the presence of grace and mercy in their life and the ungrateful nature and the, the affront that sin is mm-hmm. in in the face of that grace and mercy, that they hate it. They right. hate it. And they mourn over the remnants, if you will, of of the the sin the sin in their flesh. Right. This it, this is not a supernatural. I'm sorry, a superficial kind of mourning. Yeah, absolutely supernatural, not right. superficial. Right. Absolutely. Right. It's a. It's not a. Um, sorry that I got caught. We we see that even in the life of Saul, King Saul, in the right. scripture where he um, wants to um, have Samuel honor him in spite of his. Rebellion. Yeah, no, this is more like David. You and you alone have I sinned, right? I mean, even though he had violated Bathsheba and killed her husband, um, all he could see in that moment was that the God who had been merciful to him, the God who had had, um, been gracious to him, he had affronted, he had dismissed, he had uh, looked past as if he didn't exist, or as if his rules and his laws had no bearing on him. He had looked past it all, right? right. And, and, and thumbed his nose at God and did what he wanted, and he recognized in that moment, I have, I have. It was, it's a contrition of heart. Right. He was broken, and the Bible says that man is blessed. Right. No excuses, uh, no belittling or minimizing the sin, um, no sense of uh, comparison and trying to weigh it with other people's sin and think, well, mine is not as bad as the other person's. And none of that in David's uh, confession, in, in particular, you're talking about in Psalm 51. Yeah. He, he also doesn't weigh it against, like I said, the things that we do well. I think that we, we tend to go, you know, I'm weak in this area, but I'm strong in this one, right? Right. It's, uh, the one who mourns doesn't do that. The one who mourns it actually probably doesn't see in that moment any any comparison, anything that would lessen in, in his mind the offense that, that he's committed. He sees it for all its filth. He sees it for all its um, uh, nastiness. The, you know? the affront that it is against the holy God and, and the purity and the 
um, the majesty of who God is. Yeah, because really it's the view of God. It's a man's view of God that makes him mourn. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not his view of himself. Mm-hmm. Isaiah didn't really know himself right. until he had seen God. Yeah. And, and so the man who mourns is getting a view of God, which makes him see himself. Right. He he hates his sin because it grieves God, right? Right. And because this is the God who forgave him his sins. This is the God who's shown him mercy that he, you know, he's given grace. This is the God who has taken upon himself the sins of the, all believers and and taken, you know, his father's wrath, right? I mean, this is this is the one who loved so much that he sent his son, right? right. This is this is who this God is and and a right view of that and and the mercy that's been shown, I, I it leaves you nowhere else but um in mourning. Right. So, one side of the coin would be a right view of God. The other side of that coin would be our a misunderstanding or our minimization of sin. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier, but but we don't recognize how grievous our sin is. And, and generally, or typically, I should say, we generalize our um, recognition and confession of sin. If, if I get caught or I um, sin against God, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. You know, yeah, that's exactly right. And I was thinking about that. We, you know, I listen to Todd Friel sometimes, and he does like witness on the street, right? And he'll go before somebody, and he usually his methodology is to to confront them with the Ten Commandments, you know, confront them with the law, and see. But inevitably, they always go, "Well, well, that's everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's guilty of that, right? Right? So I'm I'm willing to be guilty as long as everybody's guilty, right? Right? So I can be a sinner. You're right. a sinner. We're right. all sinners. I'm I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Right. Wonderful. I'm not I'm, that's a wonderful statement. I'm not taking anything away. Right. But I think that the reason we don't mourn is because we only see sin in generalities and not specifics. Right. So what if I were to say to you, Philip, uh yeah, you're you're not a you're more than a sinner. You're a liar. Well, if I if I am a liar and I recognize that as being true about myself, I shouldn't take offense. Right. But we do, don't right. we? So, yeah. So if you confront me with my sin, mm-hmm. even though I recognize it, and I'm willing to say I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. but you confront me with something specific, yeah. I get offended to, toward you. So which, because you don't really think you're a sinner, you really right. don't think you're all that bad, or you think I'm worse. Right. Right. One of those things. So yeah, you, you, so we confront you with your sin. You're willing to say, I'm a sinner, until I get down to the brass tacks and the specifics of the matter. And then it's like, well, I'm not that. And right. I'm not that. Right. No, I'm not that. Yeah. Well, no, and I'm certainly not as bad as you. Yeah. But if a right perspective on all this, uh, by the way, this is why grace is a deterrent and not um, a deterrent of sin and not a license to sin. Because a right perspective on, on grace, a right perspective on, on what God has provided, I actually see the specifics of my sin. I see every dirty little detail, right? And because um, I, I hate it so, because I recognize and love the mercy and grace and the, and the one who's proffered that to me, right, in, in Christ, um, I don't want to sin, 
I don't. This is why grace is a deterrent, not yes. a license. And exactly. we, we miss exactly. that sometimes. Yes. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if it's true, if I'm a sinner and I understand the specifics and the heinousness of my sin, then I shouldn't take offense when you recognize it in me. Right. And th- I think that's the whole. Uh, premise behind Matthew 18, church discipline, yeah. or going to your brother. Um, we see it in James, where we are to confess our sins to one another. And right. the idea of being able to um, have each other point to our uh, sin, you point to my sin, um, is a means of grace. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, we've we've done a podcast on this before about judging, yeah. but this ties into that. Yes. You know, it's I do need to point out your sin, but before I do, mm-hmm. I need to examine my own heart. Exactly. Make sure that I'm not dealing with the same issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, deal with it in me, and then as a good eye surgeon, I can come in and help remove the 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 splinter that's in your eye. But that's that's really what this whole text is 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 getting into, right? Right. So blessed is the one who takes his sin seriously, who uh, confesses sincerely, yeah. who recognizes the affront that it is to God. Blessed is the one who is um, mourning, uh, grieving over the offense that he's called calls God. Yeah, they and they they hate it in yes. themselves. Yes, but but beyond that though. Blessed is the one who mourns over other sins too. Yes, that's not the other just, dimension. Not just the sins of themselves. Um, I should mourn over the fact that sin still remains in you. I should mourn over the fact that it remains in my culture, and my you know in the society and the world that we live in. If that doesn't bother me, there is there are real problems. In fact, you know in Ezekiel nine, there's this amazing text there. Um, can, I'm going to read it, if yes, you don't mind. Yes. Ezekiel 9, verses 3 through 6 says this, Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house, and he called to the man clothed in linen who had a writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who, look what it says, sigh and groan, over all the abominations that are committed in it. So he's telling him to go through this city and mark out those who hate the sin that goes on in the culture. Right? Yes. Look what it says. Yes. And to the others, he said in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike down. He's telling him to kill him. Kill who? What? Your eyes shall not spare and you shall not show no pity. Kill old men outright, young men, maidens and children and women, but do not touch the one. On whom is the mark? He's he's making a distinction between two groups of people: those who mourn over sin and those who do not. And those who do not are going to experience judgment here. And those who mourn over their sin are spared that judgment. Right. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? It really is. And not only their own sin, but the sin, the abominations that go on in their city. Right. First uh, Corinthians chapter five. Uh, speaks to the same issue uh, when Paul is writing the church there. And he says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated by pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Yeah. The church is being called to mourn over the sin that is um, so heinous in the congregation. And and so readily tolerated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. 
for many of whom I have told you, often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Right. It, that, that's and that's what it, you know. That's the thing. Mourning here is it goes beyond. Certainly, I think it begins with me. I got to look at me, right? I, I sin is such an offense. It's such an affront, and it needs to be dealt with temporally and ultimately, you know, eternally in uh, in justice. But and that's why you know we're told to go to our brother and we're trying to do all these things. But man, why is it that we can so easily just pass it off? Um, and you know, it's, it's even as Christians, sometimes, you know, um, we, we watch shows and we laugh at jokes and we do things that we shouldn't do. We know they're wrong and yet we, we dismiss them instead of mourning over them. Mm -hmm. You know, true Christianity really manifests itself in what we cry over and what we laugh about. True. I mean, uh, this is why it's completely countercultural. This is why, um, this is actually why we are relevant to our culture. Because if we laugh at the same things they laugh at, and we cry over the same things they cry about, we're not relevant at all to our culture. Right. It's the fact that we do find offense in the things that they laugh at. Mm. And we mourn over the things that they laugh at. That is what makes us relevant to our culture. This is what it's going to mean to be salt and light. Yes. Right? This is what it's going to mean to be persecuted for righteousness sake. Yes. I mean, uh, it means that um, some of the things the culture finds um, quite humorous, we find offensive. Mm -hmm. This is why, you know, I've talked about getting a shirt made that says, let's make, quote, quote, you know, hate speech great again. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's call sin, sin. Right. And let's mourn over it. It's not a funny thing, right. you know, that our culture has jumped off the deep end. Right. But we are so often, we'll get indignant about it because in, in a real sense, we like to virtue signal like everybody else, you know. Well, I just can't believe that we're going this direction. But when have we actually just cried over it? Right. Sat and thought, there's something wrong in me as well that, that I can just write off people so easily that is correct and you know especially in our culture currently the lbgtq issues and the um, um, lesbian gay rights and push for all of those things the transgender all of these things um, it's easy to be judgmental and critical and it's courageous for you and i to sit in the church and say how uh, awful it is that these people are doing this and where our culture is going but but you're right what if we what if we how many tears well, have we shed for well the problem people? is we're often jonah and we don't even know it yes we we this is what happens you know this stuff goes on in our culture and i and what we do is secretly even though we don't post it we really want god's judge hand of judgment to come down and just wipe them all out mm -hmm. you know they don't deserve mercy right you have misunderstood mercy, right? Right. They don't deserve grace. Well, of course they don't. Neither did you. I mean, that's the thing Jonah couldn't get in his head. Right. And that's the thing that uh, we often do the same thing. We sit around just like Jonah. We go, Lord, thank you. I'm not like Jonah, but we're exactly like Jonah. Yes. Instead of mourning. You know, that would have been the right response for Jonah. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. For God to have said, look at these people. 
and I'm going to destroy them in their sin. For him to have acted in some sense like, um, like Moses. If we could find somebody, would you spare him, Lord? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let me go and preach to him, Lord. Can I go preach to him? Mm-hmm. And, 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 but that wasn't his response at all. Right. And what is wrong with us? Right. Well, so mourning over our sin is what is the first part of this beatitude. Uh, the second part of this, the consequence, is that they, those who mourn over their sin, will be comforted. Yeah. So what is it then to be comforted? How should we think about that? Uh, for me, I, I think there's a, there's a sense of comfort in knowing that God's uh, gracious forgiveness is available when there's true mourning, when there's true repentance, there's true confession, um, there is a sense of comfort in the fact that we have a God who does forgive, who yeah. does show us mercy, yeah, um, who is willing to say to us that we are forgiven. Now think about uh, Nathan the prophet when he confronted David, and David recognized his sin, and the words of Nathan were, and I'm paraphrasing, God's willing to forgive you. Yeah. You deserve what you just pronounced on yeah. the rich man who took the poor man's lamb. Right. You deserve that, but God forgives you. Yeah. No, there's no doubt that one of the comforts is forgiveness. One is sanctification. Uh, uh, change lives. Mm-hmm. You know, what a comfort that though I'm not perfect, though sin still sticks its like whack-a-mole head up regularly. It pops up in different areas, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly trying to smack it down. The The reality, though, is that because I'm in Christ, I see a progressive, um, a, a, a progressive change where I'm being conformed to the image of His Son. That is comfort. Yes. Now, th- this is a, a supernatural comfort, just as it is a supernatural mourning over our sin. It, it is the, the work of the Holy Spirit um, doing the um, convicting in our uh, hearts, in our lives when we are uh, mourning. Yeah. Uh, but it's also then the Holy Spirit that comes back and comforts us yeah. in the midst of our confession and repentance. and Otherwise, we would be in despair constantly. Yeah, it's a, it is... Um... I mean, the grace of, of the Comforter, uh, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, that is a wonderful um, example. We would be in, in constant despair. In fact, it would be, what would be the point in continuing on? Right. I mean, if you, if you get to that kind of despair. In fact, it's interesting, though, that the worldly mourning and biblical mourning aren't the same. If the devil brings you to despair, he would love for you um, to despair to the point where you end your life. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of despair is, is different. Mm-hmm. Having this kind of mourning, this kind of despair over your sin is different mm-hmm. because there is no comfort in the, in, 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 in the worldly mourning. Right. But there is wonderful comfort in biblical mourning right. over your sin. Right. He's loved us with an everlasting love. He has um, manifested his love to us, not only in common graces, but in specific grace 
and that the the reality of what Christ has done for us in taking our sin wrath for us um, the these things all become then for us assurance of the comfort that we can receive because we have a God who um, is willing to show us that kind of uh, love and mercy even as we are still uh, sinning against him there, there comes an end to that though isn't it wonderful the, even the yes. verb here is a continuous action verb so it's something it's not like a one-time comfort it's an ongoing comfort yes. which finds its culmination in glorification right. when i'm ultimately conformed to the image of his son and the sin on which i must mourn over now I no longer mourn over it. This is why one day he, the Bible says he will wipe every tear away, right? Right. Amen. Yeah. Uh, what else do you... Well, that's an ultimate comfort. Right. And, and we, we get enough uh, of the comfort and we, we have, by God's grace, enough obedience um, that our motivation is, is still there to, to honor God, to please Him. There's still a, there's still a um, work of the Spirit in us. We want to please you, Father. I want to live my life in a way that would please you, uh, even, even though I fail. Yeah, and, and honestly, there's probably a real grace in that as well, right? The fact that your desire for God hasn't diminished even in light of your sin. Right. What a wonderful grace that is because it could right. drown us out really quick, couldn't it? Right. If, yes. if it weren't for God's grace, a few sins, and we would be in such despair, it would drown out um, uh, the, the, the music, if you will, of, of grace and mercy that's afforded us. Uh, that is a wonderful thought. Right. We don't have to wallow in guilt and shame. No, and you know what's interesting is uh, guilt is, is something that um, uh, is actually a mercy. Um, imagine if if your sin um, did nothing in the way of bringing guilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, our conscience, you know, that um, that pricks us, you know, our understanding of, of God's law, which sits heavy on us when we break it. Um, uh, the Guilt is a good thing, yes. is what I'm saying. You yes. know, the feelings of guilt are usually signs of objective guilt, you know, that I really am guilty. And, um, but like I said, the fact that forgiveness is available and comfort is there rec- keeps me from wallowing in it. Right. That's right. Well, our prayer is that the podcast, again, has been helpful to you, been a blessing. Uh, we encourage um, any comments, any thoughts. Um, you can contact us at Believers Baptist Church. You can find us on Facebook. We have a webpage. And certainly we appreciate any um, word of mouth or reviews or ratings, anything that might be uh, helpful to get the podcast out to others. And may the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. Grace and peace. Amen. Amen.